podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to last one, Liverpool 3 in the Europa League from Linz are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. I tried to pronounce that um, stadium in my mind, Dave, and decided not to. You know, it's a weird thing for us to be doing this. We'll acknowledge this right out the gate. We never thought we'd be even interested in doing Europa League. However, I think both of us have severely changed and amended our attitudes. Uh, I'll uh, examine Carl on his in a minute. Um, But in terms of an opening fixture in this, it's all about doing the business. And whereas we had our usual shitty first half, in the end, we did the business. And, you know, <laughs> I'll take that with a grimace. Look, the only thing that matters when you go away in Europe is that you get the result. The performance is irrelevant. And we went into that game today with a defence that hadn't played together before because we had Stefan Basetic playing it right back where he hasn't played for the first team. And it's a shout I had in pre-season that, that maybe that back up to Trent could be the role for him. We had a midfield that had never played together before because we had Ryan Gravenberg making his first start. And then we had a front three that hadn't played together before because Ben Doak was making his first start. So all things considered, we've come away with a win. It's win number 50 in Europe for Jürgen, which is a club record. It's a, apparently, and I was surprised by this, it's our joint record win in the Europa League since it was rebranded. Uh, we, we'd never won away, or a joint record away win. We'd never won by more than two goals away in a, in a Europa League game, which is interesting. And we weathered a storm first half and came out in the second half and did what we've done in multiple games this year, which is come back and win. And, you know, the, the mentality monsters tag was around a couple of years ago, and maybe it's starting to rear its head again because... I could do it without us being so disjointed in the first half. But all things considered, I thought second half, we played a good football. We created chances. We opened up what was a very stubborn back seven. And 3-1, I think, was fair. I think we could have got a couple more. It was very insistent by the end, the the tide of uh, odd purple shirts moving forward. I had I did think I did actually know that stat, primarily because I listened to you going through every single Europa League fixture ever on the Daily Red, and I noticed that we win heavily at home a lot of the time, but not so much mm-hmm. away. Um, Carl, you know, it, there, there, again, it maybe I don't want to sound too... Um, I don't want to sound too snobbish or spoiled. We are spoiled. I, I am I am entitled as a Liverpool fan, and I always own up to that. But I, I've embraced this competition now entirely, um, and there is a job of work to be done. As Dave says, all that really matters is the results. The performances um, would be a bonus. However, I'd like to see the performances be a bit smoother without necessarily having to introduce all of those guys that we had to introduce in order to get that flow to our play. Of course, a new disjointed team who's never played before is going to look like a new disjointed team who's never played before. I have a few concerns. We'll go to them later on about one or two individuals and whether or not they'll actually really be what we need in terms of squad um, contributors. Um, But your overall response to just beginning that thing, this competition, which represents a little bit of, I suppose, redemption for us in Europe with a win tonight. Yes. So my first uh, response is is to Dave and and how dare he say something as as 
heinous and frivolous as the performance doesn't matter when we the good people have to sit through an hour of it at a time before we actually decide to start doing things um this reminded me a lot of playing um i don't know some maybe croatian teams or serbian teams or czech teams maybe under kenny and rafa um playing every team under hodgson it was that kind of performance you know where you got to sit through a lot of grind and a lot of oh my god just control the ball and a lot of what am i doing with my evenings and all that kind of thing before you know liverpool start to play and we're just better than the other team and we more or less always get a result one way or another um it's right you know there are six games to go and to be perfectly honest even at this stage after one game we've won the other game in the group didn't so factor in probably getting nine points at anfield and we're probably already through if we're being um as as spoiled and as entitled as you've just said that we actually are and that's probably right in this group so i agree with you with most stuff um it was it was tough for parts of it to get on board but for all the reasons that you've just said and that's just part of being in this competition where you're not going to be playing your first 11 all the time and it is a different approach it is something else to get used to again and um yeah as long as we get three points in the next couple of games nobody will really remember our our trip to Linz. No, they won't. And again, another very revealing thing from listening to Dave taking a tour through all of Liverpool's Europa, UEFA, whatever, Affairs Cup history was the games and uh, uh, tournaments that I was actually uh, around and supporting the club for. So few of those games actually are etched in your memory because it is just, especially group games, for the love of God, um, It's all about doing the job and getting to where we need to be. And to that end, stay with me for a second, because I don't know, maybe so, maybe both of you have some take uh, on Lask, uh, and it will be interesting if you do. And I'm just going to open it up to you both in a minute if you do, if you've got some, if you've got some insight or other, because I don't. I want to make it clear here. I'm not expecting that for the Europa League. Um, state group stages, um, because you know, honestly how many of us have the opportunity to watch the Austrian league or whatever. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it as a kind of bonus if, if you guys have anything to add, but can we just have a look at the Liverpool lineup? Cause it is interesting to do so. And Carl, I'll start with you because um, I think we were, we were all possibly raising eyebrows for different reasons when we saw it. I don't think many of us imagined that Kanate and Van Dijk would start. Um, I think many of us, were thinking along the lines of, oh, is, is Bacetic going to do the Trent role? Uh, Simicus obviously was the obvious starter at left back. More on Simicus anon, because I think that was a display that probably underlined why we definitely did need to strengthen in our support uh, for Andy Robertson. Um, and I'm not trying to be too mean on the on the basis of an outing when he hasn't played for a while, but... It didn't look great. We went with a, a trio of Elliot, Gravenberg and Endo because, of course, in Jürgen's mind, Elliot is a midfielder. Um, I'd like uh, an int- I'd, I'd certainly look forward to getting both of your takes on that. And then I think everyone excited to see Doak uh, and Diaz either side of Nunes. Obviously, we have a strong looking bench. <clears throat> With Alison Yaros, uh, Gomez, Sabozlai, McAllister, Salah, Jones, Gakpo, Jota, Robertson, Matip, Kwanzaa. I mean, you can change it up and you can win the game. We ended up doing that. What did you think about the way he decided to go? What were your What were your immediate reactions when you saw it, and what do you think it was he was trying? Do you Did you see evidence of of Bacetic trying to step into midfield uh, in that way? There were times I know I personally was confusing both him and Endo because of the crapness of my reception um, in terms of where they were standing in, on the pitch. So that might suggest something. What was your overall take on that and what it was Jürgen was trying to do with it? Well, I assume that we were looking to do that. And certainly in the first few, you know, the opening minutes, I saw Bastic centrally. Um, and we spoke about this during the build up to the season and a couple of times uh, either just after preseason or you know, in the early matches when we start talking about rotation, that this is a role which maybe should suit Pasatic, considering his, obviously, physicality, the fact that he's played both in defence and in midfield for us, and so on and so forth. So I think it's a fine idea to try out, especially in a, a game like this. 
what I will say is it, it stopped quite quickly. And certainly it seemed like at the weekend, Joe Gomez was doing it for a lot longer than Bazatic was tonight, which feels odd, but fine. Um, also got to remember Bazatic's first game in months and months and months. So while the uh, level of technique and touch and all the rest of it wasn't there, nor would you reasonably expect it to be. Um, most of the rest, I wasn't too surprised with. I uh, the Van Dijk one, I, I completely agree with you. I didn't expect him to start, but... I think Kanate, when I was speaking with Guy before the weekend, we said maybe he would start because of you know injuries and that. Um, midfield, we expected full change. And up front, I thought maybe one of Gakpo and Jota would start just because uh, I don't think that they should start at the weekend. So maybe they could play this game instead and have a little bit of continuity in the lineup throughout the, the spine. But if you're going to change all 11 and you still feel that that's good enough, then you know, why not? It gets a bit of game time as well for, for the South Americans who only played half of the game, for example, at the weekend and, and gives them a little bit more time on the pitch to get better, uh, better prepared and better touch and all the rest of it than we saw, let's say, in the first half, certainly against Wolves. So I, I wasn't horrified by the 11 by any stretch of the imagination, but I think a lot of that is due to the fact that we knew we were playing a very, very low level side, if we're being honest tonight. Yeah, I think that's fair. Dave, do you think the Kanade van Dijk thing was about rhythm um, did you find it um, sensible or shocking, uh, your take on, on the Bacidic thing? And if you wouldn't mind just segueing at some point into uh, Endo uh, and what we saw from him tonight, because I wouldn't mind that as our jumping off point. Uh, we'll come to Simicus because he's quite heavily involved in the game and incidents, so we can talk about him then. Endo, alas, is not. He barely features in any of my notes. So... Uh, those three things there, the the the, the incredibly strong um, centre-half partnership, the role of Bacetic and whether or not you think it is tenable going forward and, and um, you know, the midfield in general, but Endo in particular. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Um, I, I was surprised that the two centre-backs started. I know what Carl and Guy were saying when, when they were saying maybe Kanate should start and get him some minutes, but I thought maybe he, he'd get 25, half an hour off the bench. I expected... Gomez, Matip, Kwanzaa and Costas as the back four today. Um, now, in the end, I think it's a good thing that he picked the back four he did because I'm not sure how Matip and Kwanzaa would have dealt with the physicality and the speed that the kind of uh, Lask attacked us with in the first half. It's good for Ibu, obviously, to get some minutes, but we just have to be so careful with him because he is injury prone. Virgil, I suppose the logic is he he missed the last game and the game before through suspension, so they want to have him warmed up for the weekend. Basetic at right back, I was excited to see because look, I don't like the inverted fullback thing at all. Um, there's times when it'll work, but it won't work fully while we're playing a left back as the left sided centre back when because it becomes a back three. It won't work if that left sided one is a left back, be it Rob or be it Costas, because they're still being asked to get forward and do too much the other way as well. So we lack balance in that. There was some moments though where I thought the defensive rotation worked really well, where Basitich would drop from midfield and rather than trying to get back to right back, which Trent does he was just dropping in at centre-back and Ibu was just playing as a kind of traditional right-back in, in defensive shape. So that made it a little bit better in terms of how the defensive shape was working. On the ball, he looked rusty, like his touch wasn't quite there. I will say, and we can talk about this a bit later, the pitch was far too wet. Like, 
it hadn't been raining and yet the pitch looked like it had been a monsoon. There were moments in the second half because they watered the pitch at half time for some unknown reason where our lads were playing passes to each other and you could see the water spraying up off the grass. So as I assume that was like a tactical ploy by them so that we couldn't get into our slick one-touch passing and lads were having to take an extra touch. And I thought in that first half, the midfield three, Harvey, Endo and, and Ryan, they all looked very sloppy in possession. Like they gave the ball away far too often, but so much of it was that the ball was just flying across the ground far too quickly. So passes that they might play to somebody thinking, well, like two steps and he'll get that. They didn't have time to make the two steps to get that ball. Gravenberg showed flashes of what he's capable of. Harvey had a busy game, won back a decent amount of ball, was involved in some decent moves going forward, but was wasteful as well at times. And Endo, like we, we have a question there that's come in from one of the listeners um, in the Discord about how slow he is. And, and that did stand out again today. Just He doesn't have any kind of dynamic burst over the first two to three yards. And like Fabinho didn't either. But it's more noticeable with Endo. Like, Fab had those really long legs. So even though he's only a couple of inches taller, he could cover that first couple of yards a lot quicker and reach one of them telescopic legs out. Endo doesn't have that. And he just, he always seems a half second behind the play. And he, he seems very easy for lads to turn. Like, Fab had that bit of bastardy about him as well, where if he was about to get turned, he'd just go through somebody. And Endo doesn't do that. Like, he had some decent moments where he won the ball back and he tried to progress it. But again, his passing was sloppy, just over hit or, or under hit. And it wasn't the best performance from him. Like, again, he's playing in a midfield with one fella making his debut and one fella who is not a midfielder is not going to be a midfielder. No matter how much Jurgen and Linders try and force it, they're doing... Harvey Elliott a disservice by playing in there. We saw at the weekend when he came on in that wider role with freedom to come in field, how effective he could be. And I don't know why we didn't shift to that in this game. Like, we didn't need to make a change to do it. You could have played Darwin up front, played Ben Doak just off him, put Diaz wide in the left, Harvey wide in the right, and Endo and Gravenberch as a two, and just kept Besetic as a as a traditional right-back. And I think that would have fixed the issue in the first half. But we didn't do it. We kept plugging away at a shape that's not working. And it wasn't until you know the second half and we get a bit of good fortune that things started to click for us. So that, that midfield isn't one I'd like to see repeated all that often. I think when Gravenberch is going to be in there, ideally you're going to probably want him as the more attacking of the two eights rather than the more defensive of the two eights as he has to be with Harvey. I just don't think it suits him all that well to play that deeper, more defensive kind of role. His natural instincts are to get forward, to go box to box, to be a ball carrier, to involve himself in the final third. And, and can if we, we just... want to get the best of him, we, we won't do it by trying to force something. Like the, the, the Wijnaldum comparisons that silly people were making, they just don't exist in reality. Other than the two of them being black, Dutch and of Surinamese descent, they're not similar players at all. Can we double down as well on the concept of, you know, a, a, a midfield that's never played before, one of which is Harvey Elliott. Um, I, I'm a massive fan of this kid, and I think he's a lot to contribute in one of the forward roles, a lot more than people perhaps think. But what where Harvey is not game aware is in the defensive part of the game. And... It's not an option for us to be relying on Endo, who tragically looked a little bit like a, a boy playing with men tonight at, on, on several occasions. Just looked like the game was away from him and he mm. couldn't get he couldn't get do, control. Do you remember when Lucas Leva came back after his ACL tear I and do. he couldn't and he couldn't move quick enough to to play the role? That's kind of what it reminded me of, like busy, industrious, but doesn't have that elite level of awareness or ability, didn't have the foot speed, didn't have the strength. Like the thing is, 
when you're playing a right flank of Stefan Basetic making his first senior start as a right back, Harvey Elliott playing out of position in midfield, and Ben Doak making his, I, I, I think it's his first senior start, certainly first European start on the right wing. Like, not only is it a very young, inexperienced flank, it's also not got that defensive capability, which is putting a lot then on your number six to cover a cross. And he was he was being asked to cover too much ground at times as well. Like, if we could just let Enzo, let Endo play in that little pocket in midfield where he's flanked by midfielders. Actual where, midfielders, yeah. Actual midfielders where the wingers are going to tuck back in and give us that support and give the fullbacks that support, then I think he'd have a better chance. But again, like with Gravenberch, like with like with uh, Harvey, we're not doing any of these lads any favours. Like, I don't know how many training sessions these lads would have had together, two or three, playing in that shape. But they've never got out and actually kicked ball together. Like... They were still trying to figure out where the other one was going, where the others were going to be for the first 25, 30 minutes in that game. It is particularly was- stark. It is particularly stark when you look at that, the way you outlined what's on the right hand side. And then you, mm. you see you see two adults coming on like Mo and Dom, and they just totally dominated the whole yeah. football match uh, between the two of them on that flank, with Joe admirably backing up there in a in you know another adult in the room. And it's it, it was too much. It seems to me like it was an unfair ask. It certainly puts Harvey Elliott under, under pressure, which he He's not capable of, of of dealing with in terms of the defensive part of the game. Ben Doak is the best part of Ben Doak is he runs at players, therefore he will lose the ball. That will happen. Yeah. And then then you've got a, an accumulation of pressure on the side where Stefan Bacetic is stepping in to play a right back role. Um, you know, it's a bit. I, I thought it was a very very. Um, uh, some people would call it brave. I, I don't know what was there a whole lot of sense. Foolhardy is what I'd call it. It's it certainly foolhardy is what I call it. If we were going to start, have Stephen one adult there. Back, have one adult there. Yeah, you, you could play Gravenberch on the right side of midfield where he does have the physicality, sure. and the size and the foot speed, and then play Harvey on the the right wing instead of Ben Doak. And you could have brought Curtis Jones in on the left side of midfield, <clears throat> and then at least you're flanking Endo with actual midfielders. You're putting Gravenberch in a position where he can succeed. You're putting Harvey in a position where he can succeed. And you're giving Bastich that cover that he requires in front of him. You're also giving Ibu and Virgil a bit more protection as well. Like, we just seem, we seem to be wanting to be something that we're not. We seem to be wanting to be this really expansive, yeah. total football type of unit. But, that's not Jurgen Klopp football. We've all been watching Jurgen, not just at Liverpool, but at Dortmund and at Mainz. And Jurgen Klopp's football, you can close your eyes and picture it. And the majority of what we're seeing in in these games this season and the end of last season is not Jurgen Klopp football. Now, the flip side is we are winning games. So they'll point at that and say, well, look, when, when it all starts to click, we've already got a base platform. We already are capable of winning. So when it all clicks, that's just going to go up another level. And maybe that'll be the case, but maybe you'll just run into good teams who will punish you. We've been fortunate at times this season. We've played, you know, a, a mixed bag of opponents, some good, some bad. But like, I always go back to that Newcastle game. People keep talking about us winning that Newcastle game. And yes, the scoreline says that we won the game, but Newcastle lost that game. That gift they gifted us that game, and like if West Ham, if if Wolves could have taken the chances at the weekend, they could have won that game. And you're going to come against some teams that will take their chances, that won't let us off the hook the way some of these teams have so far this season. So it is just a little bit concerning to me that we continue to do these same things and make these same mistakes and have these slow starts because I don't think you can sustain it over a longer period of time. And I think if we start to get one or two injuries, which, touch wood, we've been fortunate enough this season. I know we're missing Trent and and Thiago at the moment, but we're fairly full strength right now, barring the absence of Trent. If we were to lose one or two, and we say we lost Mo for a while or we lost Dominic for a while, you would really start to think, geez, this is a bit bare bones at the moment and, and we don't have that individual brilliance that can just lift us back into a game. 
Yeah, when we have to force it, um, it's not a great place to be. And it just feels like that's where we are all the time now, going into second halves. Carl, Lask are um, a, an interesting sort of an outfit. Seven games played so far in their domestic season, and they are five points off the pace in third spot behind Salzburg and Sturm Graz. Um, obviously, they've done enough and they have enough about them to be in um, you know, the upper echelons of the Austrian Bundesliga. Is there any extra insight you have or any one that was on that team tonight from their lineup that you want to pick out just before we go into the details of the match itself that kind of stood out to you or that you had been aware of beforehand? No. <laughs> Does that answer your question, mate? <laughs> you've let me go on and on there, and you've been setting me up. Okay, that's fine. That's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start the first half then, Carl. You and I, seeing as you've been uh, um, uh, uh, reluctant, shall we say, to furnish me any last information. Um, the game itself, uh, I, I, I will hold my hands up and say I missed the first seven minutes because it's at an ridiculous time i had to leave work early to get home to do this uh, and i still wasn't able to quite make the kickoff so i don't think anything happened judging by the tnt highlights at halftime that in that opening period but feel, please feel free to fill me in the first thing of note that i noticed was on 12 minutes where uh, renner did ibu over on the left hand side pretty easily crossed over and Virgil had to concede a corner and from that corner were a goal down because on 13 minutes it's floated out to the edge of the box and to be fair to them um, the last lads have kind of blocked our runners from the uh, defensive side who are, who are coming out to try and um, engage with the ball. So they, they have been blocked, Gravenberg included, and he's the closest to it when the ball comes out. You could argue that he possibly could have done a bit more to really charge it down. But to be fair to the kid who comes to Flecker, it's a good take. Um, it's at one touch. He lets it hop, and as it's bouncing it back up again, he drives it sort of on, the, on that kind of... Um, drop kick half volley move absolutely blares it past Queeven Keller um, across the face of goal and inside the post it is a pretty unstoppable shot it's a lovely dig but there is no way that he should have an opportunity to do that I'm just going to pause there because I want you to react to the goal itself if you've got any take on it uh, and we'll let Dave in briefly and then you and I'll do the rest of the first half because there's not a whole lot of incident apart from that so just you taking the goal there first of all in the concession of it and did I miss anything actually in the uh, opening 10 Hello I'm here to annoy you I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye. I mean, I'm very tempted to just answer no again, but um, we will actually mention a couple of bits. Actually, they started really well, you know, home, first group game, all the rest of it, crowd was up. They did have a couple of, uh, not chances, but moments in that opening period. I think they forced a corner and there were a couple of crosses that nearly looked dangerous, that kind of thing. And I think it was Nunez had a, a shot on the run, on the bounce from the most ridiculous of narrow angles uh, on sort of a counter-attack by himself, same sort of channel as his goals against Newcastle, for example. Um, so there are a couple of like bits where, you know, a little burst, a little bit of energy, that kind of thing. You thought maybe this game will come to life a bit quite quickly, but you're right, not that much happened. Their goal was brilliant. Like The finish was actually brilliant, but so was the corner. It was very, very well weighted, obviously placed really well as well. Um, we were very slow to get out to it though and 
I, I don't know this for sure, obviously, but afterwards you saw sort of a little uh, replay and a, a bit of an embrace between the, the manager and one of the coaches. So whether that's something they've picked up on and Liverpool not picking people up on the edge of the box from set pieces and they've worked on that kind of a delivery. Uh, it was obviously from, from their perspective, really, really well worked and nice to see. Big moment for the fans, of course. Um, so from a, a non-Liverpool specific perspective, it was it was a great moment, wasn't it? You know, going ahead, giving them something to fight for against basically the favourites for the entire competition. Um, I was very disappointed with Liverpool's response thereafter, and I'm sure we'll we'll get a little bit more into that if you want. But there just really wasn't very much. I think Elliot made a couple of moves forward and Nunez had a couple of shots himself, but there wasn't much in the way of cohesion at all from this team. Uh, we didn't really seem to be over committing players forward, uh, which I thought maybe we would go on and do. And if anything, I thought, you know, over the last 15 minutes of the first half, it was it was Lask who were growing a bit more in confidence and maybe thinking they could even sort of push on and do something else. Yeah, and we will actually, you and I, in a second, go through the very few incidents that are worth talking about in that first half. Uh, but I did say, Dave, if you wanted to offer anything on the concession of the goal, Carl mentioned that we were very cl- slow to get out. And I did notice on the replays that the, that our defenders were being blocked on their approaches mm. to, to the ball. Um, so that's good cynical play by them, to be fair. Uh, and like I say, Gravenberg was the first to break free. Any fault at all around the concession that you could see because as as Carl says again it's beautifully worked uh, clearly something that was a, 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 a training round thing um, but the execution of the corner itself was absolutely spot on and the finish is a worldy and like you know yeah lovely moment for Lask in their home ground against you know the, the big boys oh yeah it's a, it's a really good goal and that kid will never strike a football better than he hit that like he arrows that it goes through Gravenberch's legs and Kelleher has no chance he sees it a little bit late and but I, I don't think he has saved it either way because it's an absolute rocket the only thing I would say from our point of view is our defending of set pieces is very focused on the six yard box so anything that's going to land on the edge of our area or slightly outside our area is always going to land to a player in a bunch of space because it's not like he hits that first time. That's not like a Paul Scholes against Bradford moment where he strides onto it and hits it first time. He takes a touch. It's a good touch, but he takes a touch and he has to wait for the ball to set for it. And Gravenberch does well to get out, but we should have had lads whose starting position was two to three yards further out than where Gravenberch started from. And then he probably gets the block on it. But we try and lock off that six yard box and focus first and foremost on, you know, winning the defensive header and then getting out as a unit where I think, I think you guys are right. I think they had spotted that that's something that we do and they just, you know, they put blockers in place. So either our lads had to run through them and you're potentially giving away a penalty or around them, which makes the path to the ball longer and, like it's it's just it's a ferocious hit by Flecker. It's a it's it's gorgeous. It really is. And and look, it's great for them as well. Like Lask were thrilled when they got drawn against us. It's a huge moment for any of these clubs to draw Liverpool. So th- those fans, they get to go home, talk about the day Liverpool came to their stadium, and talk about when they went ahead and they scored a worldie. And that guy will dine out on that goal for the rest of his career as long as he stays at that club because he's never going to score a better one. Like, let's be honest, he's never scoring a better goal than that. Proper order, too. I hope he, I hope he does enjoy uh, several moments in the, in the future. Um, it's the kind of one you'd love to have scored yourself. Carl, in fairness to you, you did sum it up quite well in saying that not much occurred after that and our response to the goal was tame enough. There was uh, a decent Ben Doak ball in that came straight after the goal. On 18 minutes, we had a chance of sorts where um, Harvey Elliott plays a nice ball in. Uh, Darwin heads over. Um, it's a nice floated cross by Harvey. And Darwin should possibly do a bit better with the angling of the header because he seemed to have 
he was head and shoulders above his, his man and seemed to have time. Uh, on the half hour, which is the next thing of note, which tells you about this game quite a lot, there was a good break. A dangerous Simicast cross had them flapping a bit, but nothing came of it. And on 35, a Simicast corner was headed back into the area by Virgil van Dijk. It was coming over from that right side and in swinger. Uh, Virgil heads it down into the six-yard box. It bounces up. And Darwin has a point-blank header in the six-yard box, which is clawed away by the keeper in incredible fashion. I saw a lot of people saying he has to score, he must score. It's a it's a split-second um, uh, reaction header. He gets it on target. I don't think I have a whole lot of blame for him there. Maybe uh, I think people are often excessively critical when it comes to headed opportunities uh, and not sometimes remembering if they're ex-pros or understanding if they're not, how difficult those things are. Um, then there was a flurry of yellows. Ibu picked up one for moaning at the ref. Uh, Havel uh, fouled cynically and picked one up for them. And then Bacetic with a cynical foul after Doak had lost possession of the ball in 42 minutes. And there was a break where we had four men on the break on the 43rd minute. This is the first of my Simicas. Is he okay for us moments we were breaking Simicus is in possession he kind of lost his head a bit held on to the ball for too long with a very incredibly positive situation ahead of him remember we're a goal down and he gets smothered yes he gets fouled but it's not him drawing a foul it's him wasting a break opportunity and then there's a yellow on 44 minutes for I think it's pronounced Julie for a fa- that foul on Simicus um any of those incidents you wanted to pick up on and maybe do stray into Simicus territory for me? Um, look, again, for Costas, I suppose a little bit the same as Bastic in that first start of the season. He's not really had much football of note. And although we would like to think it's not an issue uh, because, you know, the professionals, they have to do the job and blah, blah, blah. It must be pretty demoralising for him at this point, knowing that he's had a couple of seasons where he's had some good runs of form and it doesn't matter. You go back out the team or Robertson hasn't had good runs of form and it doesn't matter. He stays in the team. I, I think it must remove quite a lot of motivation to do very, very well uh, when you do get your infrequent opportunities, to be honest. Um, that said, he was crap. So quite frustrating because there were a few first half chances where he was making the breakthrough, where he had sort of two or three players run ahead of him and he could have made a really good decision, but didn't. Um, even though one of them, I think, led to a free kick for us and a yellow card for them, if I'm remembering right. But by and large, it was quite poor all around. Uh, the rest of it, I mean, I think you've summed it up, to be perfectly honest. Nunez, I think one header, he jumped a bit too early, the one that he headed over the bar. The second one, I think... It just lacked a bit of power on it, but sort of coming from the direction across from him, it, it wasn't across, it was a header back across goal. It's difficult to generate power in that kind of um, situation. And it was a really, really good moment of goalkeeping in terms of, you know, the, the positioning and the anticipation of where the ball would go. So sometimes you do just have to say, well played goalkeeper. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, and you're, you're right. That is the one I was highlighting. Um, and, and like, I think I was a little bit harsher than you. I, I did feel it was a, a spurned opportunity rather than him drawing a foul and a yellow, a yellow card. Well, you know, we're cynically wasting time. We're a goal down and you just want to see a bit more from the kid there. Um, but like you say, we, we, we do have to cut them a lot of slack for the amount of minutes that they've got on their legs. Dave, the second half starts far brighter um, without any changes at that point. But we are, we've, we're different beasts. There's a different attitude. You can see that straight away. Um there is uh, a, no chance created, though, in those first six minutes or so. And then we have a great period of pressure uh, and a chance after a decent Bacetic bit of play. Uh, Luis Diaz was fouled uh, and his shot was off target before that foul occurred and a penalty was called. Now, we're going to pause it here and we will push on then you and I to the second goal as well. I'll finish the match with Carl. But just about this first one and the penalty, it was controversial in the eyes of the TNT crew who were um, doing the commentary. Um, Michael um, Owen in particular uh, was very dismissive of it being a penalty, said it wasn't at all in any way, shape or form. Um, So, like I say, decent play by Bacetic. 
ended up with Luis Diaz in front of goal, lining up his shot. His shot, he fluffs a bit. It's blocked and it's 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 off target. And then the guy comes through him um, in a way that is clear man-on-man, leg-on-leg activity. Uh, and I would have thought letter of the law, it is a clear foul and therefore should be given. But I can understand why people might think it's soft. What was your take? I think it's a penalty. Um, look, I, I can kind of see the argument, and I've made the argument a couple of times myself with certain things. Like if you take, for example, the Anthony Gordon penalty at Newcastle at the weekend where he he knocks it out of play. He's never, ever going to do anything other than knock it out of play. And he just collides at Mark Flecken. That, for me, isn't a penalty. But I think this one is because... It's this is dangerous play in my view. The way the defender kind of jumps into this, mm. I think it's dangerous play, and I think it's a penalty. But maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I, I, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care because uh, we needed something to get us back into the game, and thankfully this was the this was the moment. Now, when you saw when you saw Darwin stepping up, how how, how were the, the the jangly nerves at that stage? Now, it, to be fair, to be clear, I should have said it. He dispatches it with absolute. Mm. It's a gorgeous. It's a gorgeous penalty. Hit true. Hit with power. Hit with a certain amount of height and inside the left hand post as he's facing it, um, with the keeper going in that direction as well. To be fair, uh, but I I will admit I, I I had a certain amount of nerves and I think it's great for Darwin, Dave. I think it's a finish at the end of the day a high pressure finish with everyone watching him one of those ones where he has all the time in the world the ones that people worried about with him I know it's a penalty but it still has to be put away big moment I thought well Darwin was 10 for 10 from the penalty spot before tonight in his career he's never missed Um, he scored actually I think it's more than that I think it's he was was 11 for 11 before tonight he had 5 for Almeria Six for for Benfica and then tonight makes twelve. So I'd seen him take penalties before for Benfica. So I knew he was comfortable from the spot, and he strikes it really well. I actually thought Virgil was going to take it because obviously he picked the ball up and held it through all the you know complaints and the VAR check. But obviously he was just kind of letting Darwin step away and clear his head and you know get his get his mindset right. But once he stepped up. There was no doubt, and he hits it perfectly. Keeper makes a good effort at getting to it, but it's just struck so well. And I have to say, I wouldn't be against him being our regular penalty taker moving forward because Mo has been poor from the spot for the last, well, what, towards the end of last season and to begin this season. Um, and Darwin is confident and, and comfortable from the spot. So if it's an easy way for him to get some goals on the board, I'd like to see that maybe as a change that we make moving forward. I'm I like, just, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Twelve for twelve out of twelve. You can't, you can't really argue with the results. No, it's 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 a very impressive stat, and I think again his European record uh, is pretty excellent as well. That was just a, a furthering of that for mm. him tonight. Um, it was Ziris who fouled uh, Luis Diaz and went into the book for it. We had another chance then, but it was for the opposition two minutes after our goal. Big save by Quivian Kelleher from Havel after Endo had given the ball away for the, well, multiple times. Thankfully, it was offside, but it was one of those Ali ones that you love because Ali's just like, yeah, you're not scoring. I know I, it's offside, but you're still not scoring. And he does it again later on as well, does, does Big Queef. Uh, and I, I love to see it. It's important. It's a, it's, a, it's a fuck you to the opposition and it's a psychological edge. Um, we bring on some subs then. On the hour mark, we bring on Big Dom, we bring on Mac, we bring on Joe Gomez for Endo, for Bacetic and for Doak. Uh, they have two successive corners immediately after that, including that incredible Queeving Keller save point blank with his leg um, from, uh, who was it? I think was it uh, Ljubicic, I think. And uh, again, he had, he was well offside. What a brilliant save by 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 Quivian Keller and fair play to him. I, I, again, I think these moments are important. Signs on it because on 63 minutes, and this is where you and I'll finish our chat about the actual match itself. We do go a goal up. It is Luis Diaz. 
I thought it was great number nine play by Darwin to hold up a ball. I think it was from Kanate uh, that was cleared out. He held it up well, played in Harvey Elliott. He plays in that plays Gravenberch down the line. Gravenberch drives down the line, looks up, puts in a really good centre, which is swept home really powerfully by Luis Diaz in the middle. It's a gorgeous move, one of those moves that you you would think about when you think about mm. club football, like you said earlier on. Um, and it just felt, oh, it's great. It's great to have the lads on the field. Yeah. Uh, and it was immediate. It was just great that it was such an immediate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instantaneous, they came on. Gomez made the defence make more sense. Dominic made the midfield make more sense and Harvey went into a forward role, which is his actual role. Yeah. And having that freedom, because he, like, obviously we're used to Mo playing that right-sided role and we're used to Mo playing it with Bobby as the nine, where Bobby drops in and creates another midfielder and Mo is the primary goal scorer. But when you've got Darwin as the nine, he's the primary goal scorer, so you can allow Harvey to drop back into midfield and create a bit of havoc there as a creator. So he's almost doing the Bobby role, but from the right. And that's going to suit him more as well. So he doesn't have to be a Salah type of winger to have success in that role. He can play it in his own way. The goal is, it's it's an excellently worked goal. And it's, it's Gravenberg doing what he does well as well, which is making that bursting run, awareness, good cross. Like you said, Darwin's excellent in the, in the build-up. Harvey does really, really well. It's a lovely little ball. Gravenberch does brilliantly. And Luis Diaz finishes very tidily. So it's a really well-worked goal. It's a goal that clearly is it's a defined pattern of play. It's something that's been worked on. But I just thought as soon as Dominic and Gomez in particular came on, we just made more sense as a football team. Yeah. You know, and like Dominic is able to put his foot on the ball make things happen, lift the tempo, drop the tempo, make the game dance to his beat. He doesn't he doesn't alter how he's going to play. He makes the game alter to him. And that's why he's so special. And of course, like he knows that stadium. He's played there before when he was at Salzburg. He knows that team. He knows that club. So he would have known a bit more of what to expect than anybody else in our squad today. And he just looked a class above when he came on. He really did. He, he always does. It, it's absolutely disgusting how good the fella is. And uh, I'm just incredibly thankful that we were able to get him. And like we said, the team just made more sense. Just made more sense. You put a defender in a defensive role. You put a winger in a winger's role. And you play midfielders in midfield. And all of a sudden, Bob's your uncle. The team just looks like a team. It's like Football is a very simple game that... Pseudo intellectuals try and make a really complex game. Whoever might you be thinking of here? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll say nothing, but say I, don't no mean, I don't mean Jurgen. Let's just put yeah. that <laughs> say no more. Um, I'll be back to you for your wrap up thoughts. So any uh, kind of uh, big ideas you have, you can throw them at me when I come back to you, and we'll finish out the show then with Carl. But Carl, let's you and I take the game to its conclusion because there are a few moments of note, but none more so than the introduction of Mo Salah and what he does. There is an outrageous Dominic um, suppose like pass almost immediately after the goal where he plays in Luis Diaz in 67. Uh, he should do better. Um, they bring on Kone and Mustafa and both of the lads, to be fair to them, had a right go and were very physical and front foot and I thought they really improved uh, last um, and notably uh, in that period of the game. We had an incredible chance on the break with Gravenberch in 72 minutes and uh, he fluffed his initial pass and then when the ball broke back to him he seemed to I don't know, twist something or do some damage to himself. He went down in a heap and he went, his touch was bad and he had to go off the field of play at that point, which is when Mo Salah enters the fray on 74 minutes. Within a minute, there's good pressure. He's immediately involved and he has a shot blocked. He is lively as be Jesus when he's introduced here. 76 minutes, an incredible ball into Luis Diaz, uh, but the defender got there first. I think that might be, uh, oh no, no, this is coming up. Another great one by Mo. Great cover by McAllister, I noticed, on their attack in 77 minutes. Nice to see that. Just him seeing the ball out of play in a real awkward way. 
and not conceding a corner. They bring on Darbo in 79, and then we see some more fantastic Dom Sabozlai play, and then a filthy outside of the football by Mo Salah into Luis Diaz, but it's kind of intercepted. Joel comes on on the 80th minute. Harvey has a long shot in 83. And the only other thing of note is this gorgeous goal that happens on 87, despite the fact that five minutes are added to the end. The goal itself, Dominic and Mo have almost the perfect under pressure, high tempo, excellent quality one, two, but it doesn't quite work out. However, Darwin does brilliantly in, in, in the, when that breaks down to play Mo Salah in who is running kind of at the right-hand post, has no right to do what he does. It's classic Salah, beats two defenders, and from the narrowest of angles, pokes the ball home, with, again, the outside of his left foot, under the keeper. He's got nothing to work with. It's an outrageous goal. Even Klopp's reaction, I thought, said it all. And this is exactly, and this is why I, I had a little moment of extra glee. This is exactly what I was saying in the lead up to this and all, on all the podcasts I've been on. I I'm, I was sure Mo Salah would want minutes in this competition so Mo Salah can get goals because that's all he wants to do. And uh, it was nice to see that come off and nice to see that happen because Mo scoring goals and Mo in goal scoring form means that we're going to be good or very close to being good, regardless of how everyone else is playing. It's just that simple. When he's really flying, we're going to fly as well. Anything you want to pick out from that period of time between the second goal and the final whistle, including obviously Mo's goal. Uh, and then, like I say, wrap up thoughts from Dave and we'll finish with you. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Uh, may as well start with Mo. Um... I think like from the moment he came on and the same with Sol was like, it was like, you know, a couple of grown ups joining the park football because it was just all of a sudden one touch football could happen. And all of a sudden you're running through spaces and people can't keep up with you. And it was just a different level of football on the pitch all of a sudden. Um, I appreciate what they've said before about like Gomez made much more structure, much more everything else. That's, that's all correct. It's just that those two are so good, so much better than everybody else that it's, you know, it's very, very noticeable. Um, and, and in a game like this, especially when last players are probably tiring a little bit and they don't have anything to keep hold of now, they know they're going to have to try and raise themselves to, to come from 2-1 down. Those two just started looking like a completely, completely different calibre of footballer. Uh, and just before the goal itself was scored, the link-up you mentioned between those two, but then I thought Darwin did brilliantly. Like, he, he, he won the ball, he made sure not to foul, he made sure to keep it in and make the, the right pass as well. Uh, and let's be honest, from where he is, Salah should probably put it across the face of goal for one of the other two. To <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's should. what should happen for, for most footballers. It's just that we do have one of the very, very best. And you know what? From the moment he came on, which was, what did he play, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes plus stoppage time, something like that? He, he came on 74. Yeah. So, I mean, he came on much more forward than he has been like center forward he came on and i think within about three minutes had created a couple of chances had a chance from inside the middle of the box uh got himself i think one or two more shots away as well and then the goal itself he hasn't obviously been in all of those positions in the league matches he's been much more a creator at the start of this season uh much more you know 
combining in the channel and making the little passes through on the diagonal rather than he himself being the one getting on the end of everything. So it was a little bit of a throwback to two seasons ago, Salah, I thought, just for that little cameo, which in Europe is probably going to be fine this year, let's be perfectly honest. Um, the only thing I want to highlight for for the rest of that period of the game is, as you say, Gravenbach going off injured. I'm assuming or hoping that it's just like an overextension or a bit of cramp because it's his first significant minutes in quite a long time. Uh, not not in a, a starter, obviously, for Bayern. Didn't really get too much meaningful game time. So hopefully that's all it was. It was coming to the end of the match. And he did get through a lot of running. There was a lot of ball carrying, a lot of running to get inside the box, which is a really positive thing. Uh, so hopefully that's just a you know a couple of days rest and you'll be reached. I think that's what it was because it was very high tense, high pressure moment when he was on the break and he he had made a ball to his initial pass. And then I think he's just sort of twisting his body to do something. So hopefully it is just a bit of a, a bit of a tweak and nothing more than that, because, you know, Overall, you'd have to say that it was a very encouraging show from him, especially when he was able to do the things that he is there to do. Um, back to you for some um, wrap-up thoughts um, to finish, Carl and Dave. Let's do that, you and I now. Any uh, final uh, thoughts on this one, on the competition, on anything in particular tonight that, that, that you want to highlight? No, like I said at the start, I think getting the three points, getting the win under our belt is is really important. And it's a really good way for us to kickstart ourselves in this competition um, and get ourselves up and running. Like Carl said, we'll expect to win all three home games. So that'll be nine points, three tonight. That's 12. That'll be enough to go through. And that's before we take into account, you know, the the other two away games, both of which we should go and win. But we now don't necessarily have to win them. You know, we could lose them both and still progress fairly comfortably. Um, you guys covered covered it, Mo. He's just he's he's another ridiculous footballer. He's on a a completely different level, and I, I'm sure he does want to play in this competition because I'm sure he wants to stat pad a little bit and get himself, you know, a, a bunch of goals because records matter to Mo and he's probably got Billy Little in his Billy Little in his sights now I don't think he's going to catch him this year but if he plays enough Europa League and fills his yeah. boots you never know Yeah, we know he'll be good for 20 odd in the league and maybe he could get 10 in this competition and a couple in the domestic cups and all of a sudden he'll be up there close enough to Billy um, on Gravenberg I think, I, think, I think Carl's right I think it is just a matter of He's felt something as a precaution. They've brought him off. Last season, he played, what, 74 minutes tonight? Yeah. Uh, last season, he only played more than that on three occasions. Once was in August of last season, and the other two were in, one was in October and one was in November. So you're talking about 10 months since he played that long in a senior game of football. I'm sure he's done it for the the Dutch national team or the under twenty ones or something. But in terms of a real football match at club level, uh it's it's very few and far between. And other than those those three that I've mentioned, he's only got one other appearance since the beginning of last season that lasted more than forty five minutes. So he has played very, very little football. Um he's a lot of appearances, like thirty three appearances last year but only 950-ish minutes. So bitty appearances, you know, 30 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 15 here, 20 there, that kind of crap. Very hard for him to find a real rhythm. It's, you know, no surprise why he had such a a tough time at Bayern. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully he's fine to take his place on the bench this weekend and he can come on and get some more minutes in his legs and then, you know, start in the next Europa League game and, and keep building him that way. And, the thing is, we've taken a flyer on Ryan Gravenberch. Like, we're not expecting him to come in and immediately establish himself as a starter because we we bought Dominic and Alexis to be the starting number eights. Now, unfortunately, we didn't buy a number six, and the fellow we did buy as a six was brought to be a squad player and isn't good enough to start, as we have seen. Now, he's I think he'll be fine in this competition for the group stage. I think he'll be fine for the early stages of the domestic cups. But it does leave leave us one short in midfield. Um, so there is going to be minutes for somebody. Now, Curtis Jones right now is 
is the one in possession of the shirt. And that's basically what Gravenberch has to look at. Like, how do I get that shirt off him? And then how do I keep it? And then when someone arrives to fill that number six position, how do I keep it from Alexis? And these are things that can motivate him. These are little goals he can set himself. And we can bring him along slowly. He signed on a five-year deal. So he's not just signed for this year. He signed as a project. And I thought there was enough promising signs tonight, particularly the assist for the goal, to, to show what he's capable of. You know, he just needed to settle down a little bit more early in the game. I think a lot of our lads just seemed a little bit overamped. Like Ben Doak, for example, there was a couple of lovely little moments that he had, but then he fluffed his lines on the final ball because he was a little bit overhyped. And he, then he got into some nonsense with their left wing back. And it was just all a little bit silly. More and more games like this, more minutes under the belt. These lads will settle in, and I, I think we'll breeze through this group. That's actually a good point. It would be nice to see, again, it's, it, it sounds impossibly smug, but it would be nice to see these players develop during this competition and hopefully still us be able to get the results, whether we have to keep calling on the big guns to do it or not. Um, from you, I know that you're being left in the lurch uh, by myself uh, for Raw at the weekend. Uh, I'm not in Raw this weekend either. And, and you're out as well. Yeah, right? so, so it is. I think I it's, believe it's Guy hosting. Guy, Jim and Carl. Floundering away. Guy, Guy, Jim and Carl. That's Well, that's a solid crew. That's grand. And from yourself between now and then, um, anything else? Yeah, there'll be the usual dailies tomorrow. Um, nothing Monday, but then back to business for the rest of the week. Uh, we're recording scouted in the morning for West Ham. And then obviously there'll be a couple of them next week. And there might be something else along the way as well. So we, you never know. You're looking at a raffle. Tremendous stuff. Uh, Carl, to finish then with yourself, any final thoughts you have? And do let us know at the end of your wee spiel as well, what you've got for people to access over the coming days. Uh, yeah, just a couple of people who we didn't touch on too much tonight for different reasons. I mentioned Keller. I thought he actually played pretty well overall. I know he was beaten very early on by one of the first shots of the game, maybe the first shot on target, but I don't think there's anything he could do about the goal. Uh, and he made a couple of other really good saves, and his footwork was pretty good, and his passing out and all the rest of it. So, again, considering not much game time and not much prospect of taking the shirt anyway, I thought he did well. Um probably worth mentioning although it seems a bit obvious I thought Van Dyke played really well to be honest he, he was needed to make a couple of really good recovery runs in the first half I thought he did everything pretty well um, a little bit further forward I think it's important to highlight as well Darwin Nunez uh, this was actually the first time he's played a European match for us and played the entirety of the match um, it's also the first time he has not been subbed on or subbed off for Liverpool since. Either of you want to hazard a guess? Oof. I actually can't even recall an occasion he wasn't on or off. Uh, Dave, any guess? Dave is stunned into silence by the prospect of Darwin Nunez not being subbed off, so I'll just roll right in there with the answer. Go on. February the 4th. February the 4th. Okay, well, that'll do it. Yeah, that's it. just to cut across you, Carl. Interesting, isn't it, to see both him and Diaz finish the match uh, with such a big game at the weekend. Does it leave you with any queries or uh, questions about whether or not both of them are going to start that game at the weekend? I mean, uh, personally, I'm under still the uh, the belief that Luis Diaz could actually have run back from the South American qualifiers and he would still be fine to play at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think he will start. Uh, I'm less sure Darwin will, just because I still am not entirely sure how much Klopp liked him as the centre forward. So I think one of the other, one of the European boys, let's say, will be back in at number nine. But yeah. it's kind of at the minute looks like Salah and then two from four, doesn't it? So mm. Diaz, if all being well, should be the, the left-sided starter, but there is obviously going to be a fair amount of rotation across those two roles anyway. And from yourself then, for the next couple of days, obviously scouted with Dave for West Ham and uh, what's going to be written in that period of time as well? 
Yeah, uh, I've got a Europa League piece that's out today and Europe Conference League. Not so much about the first games, but about the you know the Premier League and Scottish teams who are in it this year. And it's in particular for the Premier League sides, I think a really good opportunity for some of them to go really deep and to have a bit of a big run for the fans, that sort of thing, because you know there's quite a lot of strength there. And it's some of the teams who are in it this year might not usually get the chance to, because obviously last year a couple of teams were particularly crap uh, so that piece will remain relevant in the aftermath of this victory. There will be a piece ahead of, uh, I think, Arsenal Tottenham ahead of the weekend that I'll have live and yet yeah, scouted for our weekend match. And I will be on Roar as well. Tremendous stuff. And of course, as always, if Dave or Carl is doing something, you should be listening to it or reading it. Uh, I, like I said, will be away for raw. Apologies for that. Go and get your ears around my chat with Jan Malby there recently. Was it last night, the night before? Uh, the fellow was in great form. Um, we will be back with you, of course, very, very soon. I want to thank uh, Dave Hendrick. Carl Matchett, producer Guy Drinkle. I've been Trav Denny. That was raw, a kind of a bridged version for us. But we're up and running in the Europa League. It's a win. And hopefully we're on the road to Dublin. Good luck. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.